0: Welcome to the Talon Project. Talon stands for Teaching and Learning Online Network. As we adjust to the new COVID 19 reality, Talon provides a platform for sharing and discussing resources and practices for remote education. You can learn more at taloncloud.ca. Enjoy this episode. I have with me today Noreen Irvin. And um, I am just gonna let you jump in and introduce yourself. Tell a little bit about your background, uh, what you're interested in, and we'll go from there.
1: All right, so I teach uh, accounting, risk management, and tax, advanced tax and estate planning at the Haskian School of Business. Uh, I also actually do a lot of consulting work. So my background, I've been the CFO of a company. I've done some work with uh, CSIS and uh, uh, yeah, I-, I love teaching and enjoy teaching. And the topics that I teach are really interesting and they constantly change. So tax is constantly changing, risk management is constantly changing. So it's actually a kind ton of fun and the students are great. Wonderful.
0: And so with the changes in the last year, how, does, how has your teaching changed for the 2020 and 21 year?
1: So I taught, both winter, spring, and now fall. And so, of course, as everybody did, we moved to an online platform. And the online platform has its advantages as well as its disadvantages. So the advantage, I'll start with the advantages first. The advantages is you have everybody's name on the screen. So you get to learn their names very, very quickly, which is fantastic, because now you can have a name to a face. However, I'm very strict. Like I tell my students that I do want to see their faces and that if they don't have a, um, a camera on their laptop, I totally get it because there's my desktop and I have no camera, but every single person has a telephone. So please use your picture on Zoom. And there's two reasons for that. I have students in the class where English is not their first language. It's very difficult if english is not your first language if you can't see their faces cuz you lip read and i was very conscious of that when i lived in france and my french is not that good and i spent a lot of time lip reading so i'm very conscious that i have closed caption on videos when i do videos i have closed caption and i'm very conscious that everybody wants to not everybody not everybody in the class lives in Canada, first of all, not everybody in the class, English is their first language. So that's the plus, plus you, I teach my online classes just as if I was in the classroom and the breakout rooms are fantastic, which you cannot do in real life. And the students really like the breakout rooms because they are able to meet four or five people each class. If you, do, if you use them. The downside to breakout rooms is that means you can't use your personal ID every Zoom, otherwise they go into the same breakout rooms every class. If you use a different code every class, they're in different breakout rooms every class. Pain in the neck, but it's true. The downside to teaching online is just office hours. It's you are basically can't have 10 students in the boardroom and say to them, okay, you're all having trouble with trust, with trust, you're all having trouble figuring out what's a will, you're having trouble with tort law, meet me in the boardroom, we'll go through it for half an hour. Now you've got Zoom, right? And not everybody's available on Zoom. So you're doing all these one-off Zoom times. So I'm finding that you're Zooming on weekends, you're Zooming on even evenings, you never get away from. So that's the downside. And the other is just, it is so time consuming because you're not only taping lectures, you're you're now preparing multiple exercises for breakout rooms to keep the students engaged. Mm-hmm. So that's the big change is just the additional amount of work that's required for online teaching and the lack of pay that, the lack of recognition that it takes longer.
0: Mm-hmm. That seems to be a concern that's echoed by everyone involved right instructors students you know there's a lot more time spent prepping doing it Mm
1: -hmm. and there's a discrepancy like i have i have some colleagues who everything's taped and they don't show up like once a week they have a one hour so there's this completely online which would if i were if i were the parent so just so you know i have five kids (laughs) the youngest just graduated a number of years ago if i were paying the tuition and my kid just had online for the entire semester with when I would be really angry. I'd be like, this is not an online school. This is not acceptable. Like at least show your face once a week, teach the class online once a week so that you can have some human interaction. I think human interaction is so critical. Mm -hmm. So So you
0: talked a little bit about breakout rooms and things like that. Have you found other ways to sort of navigate those challenges of creating that more human interaction online
1: the breakout rooms are amazing yeah they're fantastic I mean you only students won't I mean if I got 75 students in a class they will they will send me a bloody chat but they won't open. they won't take their mic off mute right so I get that I'm 17 I'm 19 I'm 21 whatever right so I really don't want anyone to know that I don't know what I, the heck I'm doing So uh, the breakout rooms are fantastic because you put them in rooms of three or four and they just yak away. So, and it gives me the opportunity to pop in. Um, Yeah, you have to be careful with the chat. I had one student that was really rude last time. So I had a student that typed in and said, I don't understand Excel, can you please slow down? We were doing an example in Excel with all of them in the room. And then I had another student pop in and in the chat and say, if it gets any slower, I'm leaving. Oh dear. So then I had, you have to think on your feet and put them all in breakout rooms and send the rude kid to a room by himself (laughs) and then zip into that room by themselves and say, look, that wasn't acceptable. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like business school is about communication. It's even in the work world, you're going to have people that work for you that do not catch on. This is not, if you have a problem, you can send me a private message in chat, not something to everybody. Mm -hmm okay, you're going to break out room five with everybody else, right? But you have, so the, believe it or not, you know, your opportunities created by digital education, that was one of them. You mm-hmm. could actually isolate the idiot in the class who, <laughs> you know, it just has no social skills, who may, might be crazy bright, mm-hmm. but inappropriate, inappropriate behavior. You can't belittle someone else in the class because they don't know how to use Excel. hmm That's, that's not, that's not, it's not good. Like at some point I might have to give you a reference. Do I want to give you a reference? You can't even get along on zoom. So that would be the opportunities created by digital education is you can have those ones and ones, Mm -hmm. but it's so time and you have, and you have to make sure that you've prepared enough for your class, that you've got a little breakout exercise to throw them in the breakout room. Cause you're hooped if you don't.
0: Right. Sort of sounds like getting creative a bit with facilitation and also mediation when things go awry like that, right? Just a sec.
1: Yeah. Eamon, can you turn the stove off? Hang on, I got something on my stove and I think it's burning. (laughs) No worries. Sorry about that. <laughs>
0: That's okay. One of, the, one of the exciting things out of this project is that my video editing
1: skills have also gotten really good, so. <laughs> it's true, what are you using for video editing? Uh, just Adobe Premiere. Oh, good. Adobe Premiere, I don't use yeah. that. I use uh, Snagit or- Oh, okay. Yeah, Adobe yeah. Premiere, I will have to try that.
0: I, uh, I haven't used Snagit before, but lots of people that we've talked to have, have said that it's a, a great tool to go to for sure. Oh, it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's great, but it's super easy. But easy is good, for sure. Um, so I guess that kind of brings me to my next question. What's your most used tool for for remote teaching?
1: Um, Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually disappointed that we don't use Google Meets. Okay. So I had a deaf and mute student in the spring. And Google Meets... Uh, it has closed caption as your video.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the owner, in order to get Google Meets, you have to have Google Suite. And the problem is that the university doesn't subscribe to Google Suites.
0: Right, it's more on the Microsoft end.
1: Right? Correct. So, but I think one of the things we should do or consider doing is we spend a lot of money on disability services. There's a lot of funding that goes into disability services. So we have this deaf student who has two interpreters online for every single class. That's a huge amount of expenditures. Now, I found out about Google Meets because I have a daughter who teaches grade six and she also had a deaf student. And she said, but you have closed caption, why wouldn't you use it? So we did. I did practice office hours with him with Google Meets and it worked great because it allowed us to communicate without me worried about the signers, because it was a tax course. So when you're talking about the Income Tax Act, it's a difficult thing to sign. And there's always, a. I was always very conscious to make sure that the signers caught everything I did along with the 70 students that were in the Zoom class. So Google Meets would have been spectacular because then you would, re- you would have the closed caption and it would show across the screen, and he, because he he was nonverbal as well, he could have typed in right away. But it was actually a real detriment to have a person from disability services who was so reliant on disability services for everything, note taking, um, for everything. So it would have been nice had we had to not just give them the resources, but to help them, encourage them to be self-sufficient.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Google, I, if I had one challenge with remote teaching, it would be that we have options for students with disability services who require closed caption to be able to use Google Meets.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that was one of the capabilities of Google Meets, so that's, that's really interesting to learn.
1: Yeah, so if you're on Google Meets, there's a really nice, it comes right across everything you say, and the translation is amazing.
0: Hmm.
1: Like, it's very rare for the translation to be wrong. So it was fantastic, but he was really reluctant to use it. So I have Google Meets, but I couldn't get him to want to meet me in Google Meets, because when we had office hours, he only wanted the translators. Mm-hmm which was fine, but I wanted to use both, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, it's not, it's not my learning skills. So it didn't matter to me either way, but I think it would have been nice, a nice option. Cause then I would know that what we're, what I'm trying to say is being communicated efficiently and effectively. And it would cut the cost down Mm because then he would have the translation already done for him.
0: It's interesting looking, like learning about all these new tools and platforms that are coming out and even changes to already existing platforms. There are so many opportunities for inclusion that Mm -hmm. are now being built into the tools, like you say, so that you don't have to go this other route and spend money trying to um, provide provide that um, service when it's maybe not even the most efficient thing anyway, like you say um, depending on the complexity of the subject or, you know, what you're teaching. Right. So yeah.
1: And like the interpreters are amazing, but Mm -hmm. what's the cost of all this?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Right. Like you've got two in there and they switch off every 15 minutes, but you're paying for two interpreters and a, and a note taker Mm -hmm. for one person. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying they don't deserve it because they absolutely do. I'm just saying that it'd be nice if we could if for remote teaching, we also had um, the opportunity to use something like Google Meets, if that's the disability that we need to use it for. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, and it, and it is funny, and, and because you know Yuja, so if you don't, if you upload off Snagit and not Yuja, you don't get closed caption. So the very first time I used Yuja, I had like four students email me and say, thank you so much. English is not my first language. And I was able to understand more because I could read it. Right. Yeah. So Yuja is fantastic. But you have to take the effort to then record your, whatever it is you're videoing, go into Snagit and edit it. And then upload it to you, Okay. So it's a three-step process.
0: Which comes back to that um, issue of online teaching being much more time-consuming and exhausting and all of these things on top and as well.
1: <laughs> if you could reuse your material, I think it's great. Yeah. Because the, you could up front end load some of it and then you would use it. But in tax, every twice a year the tax act changes so what you recorded in February of this year I won't be able to use next year because there's a budget in October and another one in February right so so but if you could can it and use it over and over again it'd be fantastic <laughs> like yes <laughs> <laughs> if I could cheat it'd be great right now yeah so <laughs> The other thing that I find challenging about remote teaching is the university brought in the crazy 24-hour rule for tests and midterms. And I get that. So, I've opened it for 24 hours, but my guys write their exams in the last 3 hours. Right. And then if you want to write early, by all means let get a hold of me. But I think when the university wrote that rule they should have wrote an exception for professional exams. And the reason for that is, can you really open an exam for medicine for 24 hours?
0: Mm-hmm. Can you
1: really open a 20, an exam for 24 hours for nursing? Can you do it when your course is supposed to count towards your CPA? Right. So I think, I, I like it in theory. I think there's nothing wrong with it because of the different time zones we're in and I understand that, but I think Uh, for remote, um, I would have preferred it for professional faculties that you have the option of a three hour, but you have to offer it to the students, which we did anyway. So someone said to me, I'm in Mumbai or I'm in China. Can I please write it at 9am my time? I'd be like, yeah. Right? So just to limit, um, because the courses count towards a professional designation the standards are really high. So to keep the integrity of the exam there is sometimes really important. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you get around that, but I think that that's a a balancing act for professional programs to make sure that we, we still keep the integrity of a prof like uh, for courses that are going to be accepted towards a professional exam and balance the new policies that are being offered by the university.
0: Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a whole, obviously a whole new set of challenges for especially high stakes exams, entrance exams, anything that's getting you a certification, right? You're looking Uh at online proctoring and then these time issues. So
1: I'm actually not as worried about that because you're there to mm -hmm. teach you know, like you're there to learn. So even if you cheat your way through university, right, because of all the online stuff, mm-hmm. real world's going to catch you because it's some sure. point, you're going to go out there, but the university's reputation will be on the line. But I still think ultimately there's enough good people in the world. I, I really truly believe that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want to cheat your way through, it'll catch up with you because you won't know the material and you'll somebody's going to fire you yeah. or you're going to yeah. hurt somebody. Like if it's an engineering, you're going to hurt somebody mm-hmm. or medicine. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm not as worried as, as much about cheating uh, as I am about making sure that they know the material. Mm-hmm. So if I'm worried, if that's really my focus is to know the content, then does it matter? Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes it takes more effort to cheat than it does to actually like like all Absolutely. this collaboration. Oh my gosh. Like, so maybe they know it anyway. By the time they have figured out how to cheat. I don't know. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough.
0: <laughs>
1: my, favorite, right. my favorite. Yeah. So
0: can you point out your favorite resource for remote teaching? So this could be, again, we've kind of talked a little bit about tools, but it could be somewhere you go for guidance. It could be, um, yeah. I any, think- any resource.
1: I think my favorite resource for remote teaching, believe it or not, is the textbooks and the, yeah, mm-hmm. the textbooks are awesome. And the textbook publishers have unbelievably done a good job. So they've stepped up the plate to, um, offer amazing resources. So I'd have to say my favorite resource for remote teaching is the textbook author or the publishers Mm -hmm. and other universities profs. Being able to go, like I said, I've done a lot of collaboration now with U of A, Red Deer, U of L, U of S, they're less responsive, MRU, um, but between U of A and U of C, we've done a great job of For the very first time, sharing assignments. You write one, I'll write the other. Um, So I think for me, that's been really helpful. That uh, some people are really reluctant to share their material because it's like it's proprietary. But I think once you can get past that, it's actually pretty good.
0: Mm -hmm. And has that collaboration come out of or escalated through um, the move to remote teaching?
1: No, the only reason it's escalated is because I'm doing a project with teaching and learning.
0: Fair enough. (laughs) And I wanted to
1: do collaboration between faculties. That was my goal. The same thing as Fabian's. Let's, you know, we started off in June. This is what we were going to do together. And then, um, we both got busy in the summer and I started phoning other universities and saying, look, I phoned the IT department and I talked to a couple of their part-time guys, uh, about sharing data analytic assignments. And then I just started because it, just so you know, the um, CPA, so the professional, the profession is now requiring a data analytics in every single accounting course
0: mm-hmm.
1: by September of 2021. So oh, wow. you must submit your course outline and your assignment to CPA in order for them to continue to say, yeah, one of your courses counts towards the 14 courses we want. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it was imposed by industry on the university. So originally in June, the mandate was that it had to be implemented in all of our courses by September of 2020. So everybody was scrambling. And so when I was in teaching and learning, I was like, this is nuts. Like, we're not the only faculty that has to do data analytics. Mm -hmm. Engineers do it. So why are we running around like chickens with our heads cut off, trying to create data analytic cor- assignments when you know it's been done elsewhere? So I talked to some U.S. universities as well, and they were—they're a year ahead of us. So they were a great resource. So Wendy T's, like you know, so Chicago, um, and so that for me that was huge. That was absolutely huge, just to collaborate with all these other universities. And the CPA in the U.S. has the same requirements, so it was great. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so we shared what we were doing and how we were doing it. And because the other side of data analytics is what critical thinking skills, you know, great. So you shove an assignment down these kids' throats. Oh, what's the outcome? What are you actually trying to teach them? If it's critical thinking, great. If it's just how to use Excel, great. If it's how to use Power BI, great, right? Right. So I think for me, um, that's, been, uh, that's been really good. I mean, that remote teaching has created that. Mm-hmm. Or the teaching and learning certificates created it, not remote teaching.
0: Hmm.
1: It was actually the certificate that, that got it going.
0: And so following with that, do you expect to see more collaboration in the future. What would you expect higher education might look like in 10 years.
1: Well, I don't know.
0: <laughs> I know we're, we're not even sure what the next month is going to look like. So it's a hard question. Um, but
1: <laughs> I think I think you're going to see something similar to the Calgary Board of Education. I don't know if you have kids. I don't know. But with the C B you have an option. You can go into class or you go to their hub learning. Mm-hmm. So I think that we may see more of that where you have a blend of stuff. And I'm not sure it's great. Like right, I just did a seminar. And so I had 29 people in a big gym all spaced apart. But the option was, if you were uncomfortable coming in with your full mask, it was very difficult to teach with my mask on. I will say that because the hot air is coming in at you all the time.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But we had two massive TVs behind me of the online people. Hmm. And that was difficult because when when you're teaching, you often you probably know this. you either write on the board or you say something, but you're always making sure that whoever is sort of in charge of this computer can actually see you. right? Right. So that blended where you can be zoomed in at home and zoomed in at the class and be in the classroom, worked great for everybody, right? So there was someone who was going through chemotherapy, right? So they had their, you know, they were, So they have health issues and there there was somebody else who had been in a car accident and there was so there were multiple reasons for these people to not want to come together Mm -hmm. Uh, we knew there was 26 people in the room and it was very well like it was sterilized in fact there was so much sterility that i started to sneeze right (laughs) because i'm allergic to perfume and and they had put so much in there. I'm like, guys, like you have to somehow wipe down the smell because I can't teach. <laughs> so before class started, right, I'm like trying to, and then change masks because my mask was like breathing all this perfume. Um, so that presented a different issue. But I think we might see more of that where we actually teach in the classroom to people who need face-to-face. The other thing that was unique, what I heard from from the individuals that were there is there's a lot more only children now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And the only children were really suffering from isolation. So being able to interact with, because we're, humans are very interactive. We're very collaborative. We, you know, even at work, you know, you work, you, you go have lunch with someone, right? So to not have that, I think is difficult. And so much learning takes place in banter. So when you cut all that off, so you have no one to banter or study together with, I think uh, you you lose. So I think higher education will remain the same, but tweaked for those that are not comfortable coming to the university. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What are people saying? There's a whole mix. (laughs) Um,
0: And I think that reflects the general uncertainty. and, And I think, this element of flexibility that you're talking about and and accessibility in different ways has come up numerous times with different interviews that we've had. Um, And also this realization that being completely isolated and learning in isolation is not the ideal. And we benefit from that social interaction and and collaboration in person for sure. Um, Yeah, so I, I would say a lot of uncertainty on that front for sure.
1: Yeah, I I think it's a shame we're not back, but I think it'll be blended where we have to zoom in like this conference, like conference was where people could zoom in it, like it was a choice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's better than the CBE where you're in a hub or you're in school. Mm -hmm. I think the people who choose to be online are still in the classroom with you, but they're in classroom if they're in the classroom via Zoom or Google Meets or whatever medium you decide to choose.
0: Right, yeah. The blended learning option to me um, makes a lot of sense and having that choice makes a lot of sense. And that's one of the opportunities created by having this digital medium, right, is that choice.
1: So. One, one of the things that we've forgotten about, and I'd love to know the numbers, I'm gonna phone the registrar, see if I can get them. We have numerous retired people who come back to university and take courses, just audit them for free. Mm -hmm. You have now cut off. So I know a retired dentist and a retired engineer that show up in all my classes, right? So in fact, they're only ever supposed to take 10. And I went up to the register. I'm like, what do you mean they can only take 10? Like, who cares? As long as the class isn't full, do we really care? Like they don't get credit for it. Like, I don't care if the same guy takes the same class five times. Like what difference does it make, right? Like, I don't know. And even if he does, right? But those are the guys, um, I've got two of them now, they're zooming into my classes. They're right. like, you know, we, we just need to go to school, right? But one of them, like, he's a doctor. He goes, goes to all these microbiology courses, all of that's gone now. Right. So we've lost, and I love them in my classes, especially when we're doing estate planning. So we've got a generation of people who are very well educated, whether it's a retired P- PhD, whether it's whoever, when they attend your class and you get class discussions, they are cool. Like they mm-hmm. bring with them knowledge that the other, that students need to hear. And it, you also get a huge amount of respect, like students will say, who's the old guy? Like the guy's like 90, who's the old guy in the class? I'm like, oh, you should talk to him. He's a retired, he's a retired doctor. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, he's a pathologist, right? And they're <laughs> like, wow, really? I'm like, go talk to him, right? And then, um, yeah, and I'm like, oh yeah, that guy's a retired PhD in engineer. You should talk to him. And they're like, wow, he's taking accounting. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> poor guy, right? <laughs> but <laughs> Poor bugger, right? But I mean, we lose that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We lose the intergenerational connections from just sitting next to the old guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And those guys, you know, Like the one guy's, I'm 90. Of course I'll attend school. I'm going to die anyway. (laughs) So I think, yeah, I hope we go back just because, yeah. Otherwise, what? They'll teach with robots? Does it really matter then?
0: Yeah. I mean, hopefully it doesn't quite get to that point.
1: (laughs) Artificial intelligence is cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully we can also retain some of those informal learning moments like you're talking about, too, and and that interaction that's being lost at the moment.
1: And some people don't learn remotely. Mm-hmm. You know, we're very accepting of disability services. We're accepting if you've got dyslexia, we're accepting if you've got um, ADHD, like, you know, we've got all these, you know, disabilities that we are very conscious of and we give additional time on exams and quizzes and whatnot. But, you know, what about the person who might not have a disability, but really can't deal with the remote, who doesn't focus well? they turn on the Zoom and they're like, oh God, I've gotta to listen to that person again. What about them? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're in class, they get to move around. They get to go up and go to the bathroom, and move around, right? So yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm assuming we're online again in, in January.
0: I'm getting that feeling as well.
1: Well, there's three universities in Ontario, I think I've just sent out letters to students that are online, so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: oh, well, whatever. <laughs> well, I'd love to see part of your research. Absolutely. Yeah, we will. Uh, Our questions are almost identical. Yeah. Yeah, but mine are uni- like different universities rather than different faculties. Hmm. Well, I'd be what really I started curious doing. to yeah to learn about yours as well. Perfect. And yeah. Please stay in touch. Yes, yeah. and good luck with your masters or your PhD. You. <laughs> masters,
0: masters. I'm not quite there yet.
1: Perfect. Have <laughs> Thank fun. you. Bye.
0: Thanks, Noreen. This episode was produced by Talon. You can find the video of the interview and more at taloncloud.ca. The Talon Project is funded by the Richard Parker Initiative. It is hosted at the School of Architecture, Planning and Landscape at the University of Calgary. Thank you for listening.